Hello all, welcome back to Desert Island Dishes with me, Margie Broadhead. This week I had the pleasure of meeting with and chatting to Millie Taylor. Millie runs a hugely successful catering company called Millie's Catering and she just makes the most dribble-inducing food. That is to say, it's delicious and she's ridiculously talented. Millie gave me two slices of the most insanely perfect almond and green gauge tart. I think she thought I'd give the second slice to my boyfriend, but I didn't. (laughs) By now, you know what to do. Listen, subscribe and leave a review. So if you haven't already subscribed, please do. And if you felt like leaving a review, I would be so grateful. Right, enough of me. Here are Millie's Desert Island Dishes. So, Millie, I have to tell you that genuinely my motivation in life is to work hard enough so that I can employ you on a regular basis to cook for me, cook all of your amazing food. But seriously, though, you're a self-taught chef with a background in architecture and design. So how did you decide that you wanted to be a chef? I don't think I did. Um, I, I guess after I graduated, I just had that niggling thing that I might want to try something else. And my other passion in life was food. And I was sort of the housemate at uni that would be like roasting a gammon joint or something like ridiculous, you know, like, oh, sorry, you can't use the oven because I've got this like <laughs> stuff that students didn't do. Also the best housemate ever by the sound Oh yeah, of but I'd always be like, chuck us a couple of quid and then like bring your boyfriends around and then we'll just like all have a big dinner. And I loved, I loved doing that. So I guess that was kind of like the first taste of cooking for people. And then after uni, went and got a job at a restaurant in Wandsworth and sort of just said, look, I don't have any sort of restaurant experience, but I love cooking. Done like, you know, holiday weekend jobs and stuff where you take me on as a trial period. And then I guess the trial period became an extended period and and that was work. So I worked in kitchens there, literally started from like frying chips and calamari for weeks before they put me on larder yeah. and then <laughs> kind of fat, made my work that fryer duty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah I guess that it just happened like that and then how did you make the transition going from the restaurant I mean I know you've done lots of amazing things um, but do you remember what your first yeah well the executive head chef there and I got on very well we started doing outside sort of catering which is crazy when you think you're doing like doubles and all that kind of stuff. It's like where I look back and think, where did we have the time? Yeah, I was where only did, like, where did you know, you have 21 or something. <laughs> and then we had the opportunity to open a cafe. And then within a couple of years, we'd open three. Um, and so, oh my goodness. Yeah, it was one of those things that just organically happened. So didn't have a five-year plan or... <laughs> You know, didn't yeah, think but I was sometimes gonna do that. I feel like that's how you know that you're doing the right thing when it just sort of happens quite easily and doors just keep opening and you just keep going through. I yeah. Although well, my mum sometimes says, you know, you need to be a bit more proactive in what you want and not just be so reactive. But yeah. When things come to you and you're like, oh, I fancy that, then why not? Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> You could argue you had to be the other way if it wasn't working yeah. out. But if it is, yeah, yeah. you carry on, Millie. There you go. <laughs> You've done so many amazing things with your cooking, which I want to ask you about. But okay. let's jump straight to your first Desert Island dish of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's the dish that most reminds you of your childhood. My family are not very interested in cooking. Really? Yeah. I think my mum's really good in the kitchen, but she doesn't spend too much time there. <laughs> but since, She's a busy woman. Since you've become good at cooking. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, she cooked all our meals as a kid and kids and stuff. But we also sort of like mum would one day sort of make a moussaka or something. And then, you know, then she'd open a tin of clementines. You know, okay. like those segments. I used to love those. Or like, I remember she used to quite often just whack some Sainsbury's spicy bean burgers in the oven. Okay. You know, delicious. Yep. But really, if I think about my childhood and like a dish... 
is it, is it, would it be called a dish? Like my nan used to come around for Sunday roast and bring around Sara Lee frozen chocolate gatto. Okay. Um, I, I, you don't know if you've ever had one of those. And, um, raspberry. Like a Viennetta? Uh, no, like a, <laughs> like a proper chocolate gatto. Like they were frozen and we used to also have the uh, raspberry pavlova with it. And she'd just like come around, put it on our back doorstep to the garden. And by the time we'd eaten roast, they'd thawed out and we'd eat those. Aww. And as a kid... Oh my gosh, nothing yeah. would make, make me eat my peas quicker than being like, <laughs> there's, there's frozen dessert thawing outside. <laughs> That's a great tradition. I like that one. So I first came across you after reading online that you cooked paella for 1,300 people. I mean, <laughs> that's mind-boggling. But Millie, what is the secret to the perfect paella? Can you talk us through it? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I wouldn't say that was the most perfect paella. <laughs> Because we cooked it for a whole town. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I did that with my brother. That was that was a challenge. That was brilliant. But yeah, I, if if I'm making paella, I'll do it for 20 or so. Yeah. And I met you when you came to my Jamie Oliver yes. Supper Club and that was Spanish and we Yay. did paella. So yeah, so, so, like good. A, so a pan for about 20 people, I think is best. And just getting a really good sofrito on the go, you know, your base. And my next door neighbour in Spain, my family live in Spain. Rosa, our neighbour, has been cooking our birthday paellas for years. Um, she doesn't do it every year now. We're not always there. I was there a month ago and I always go around and, and she teaches me something. She doesn't have much money. She is the perfect example, her and her husband, of using everything and nothing going to waste. They grow a lot of the stuff on their land. What I learned from her that I didn't know before with things like paella is like, if you're going to put prawns in the dish, make a stock with the shells and the heads first yeah. and use that as your stock. Or, you know, like when you open up a mussel and it's cooked yeah, and you take it out, there's that little white connective tissue. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that's called. No, me neither. Like the, but, you know, the sticker you know, on her. Yeah, yeah, the little stick of it. Um, she carves those bits out with a, with a little paring knife yeah and puts it back in the paella i mean like i didn't I mean, know those bits were edible yeah no me neither but i guess that now you know that's yeah. so obvious and then she'll sort of rinse rinse the shells and put the water a bit like you know people always say put some water in the tin of tomatoes yeah. so you don't waste <laughs> anything so i think probably the secret to a perfect paella is really taking your time and using every little scrap of flavor yeah 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 that's a super good tip. Okay, thanks, <laughs> Millie. So your family still live in Spain. Yes. And you spend sort of roughly half the year out there. Yeah, I spend a lot of our peak season out there in the sort of spring and summer. Are you cooking for weddings out there? Is that So my brother you? now does that. Oh, I right. was doing that and he sort Who's of took over. Family? He's not a chef. He's younger than me and he has got a lot of drive and he's very good at delegation, something I'm not too good at. And he's sort of, you know, he's got himself a couple of business partners that are chefs and a great team of people out there that work really hard for him and he works really hard and they're sort of making it work. So we have like a, a wedding a weekend almost, you know. Wow, that's so great. I'll go out and help when I can. Okay, so needed. that's what you're doing out there. When I'm out there, yeah. I know my Instagram you just, makes it look like yeah. I'm just eating cheese and <laughs> drinking beer. But. No, I was going to say, it doesn't look like you're just helping. Like you always look really busy and there's so yeah, much going on. Yeah, there's always a lot going on out there, but it's good fun. How many weddings do you think you've done personally? Oh, gosh. I couldn't say. Put you on a the lot. spot. I know. Sometimes I think about how many mouths I've fed. You know, when you think yeah. about a wedding and you're like, oh right, that's two hundred people, yeah. and then imagine if you know uh, that is crazy. But I, I did that the other day, trying to work out how many potatoes I must have eaten. In yeah. my life. Like, 
roast potatoes. Oh God, eating it. I know, I know, it's the worst. <laughs> Sunday <laughs> lunches. Like, How many ooh. brownies? <laughs> oh my goodness, so many. How is it being part of a family business? Is it dream team or I can imagine it comes with its own unique stresses? No, it's really hard because we've all got parts to play, but it's not like people sort of applied for the roles and they said, I'm really good at all these things. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, so, that's so true. You have, to, you have to sort of think, well, you're good at this and I'm less good at that and you should maybe do this. And be delicate about it at the same time. Yeah, but it's hard because we have people coming to visit us all the time in Spain and we have to sort of tell ourselves, you know, like, we don't talk work at dinner or, you know, because those things happen and we have yeah. big family rows. Oh my God. You know, I'd say almost every day something blows up, but yeah. <laughs> we also, also have a real big laugh as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't say it runs super, super smooth all the time, but then, you know, what business does. No, definitely. And the highs are probably worth. Oh yeah, absolutely. Loads. Yeah. Yeah. So Millie, moving on to your second desert island dish of the day, what is the first dish that you learned to cook? So I don't really remember learning a dish. I've never been taught how to cook. Okay. But I do remember sort of coming back from school and watching Ready Steady Cook. And I feel like I don't even know where. I'm from quite a big family and there was like no one ever at home. But I used to just watch this on my own and then like get so excited. I mean, you couldn't pause TV in those days. So like (laughs) I'd be like running to the fridge or the cupboard, see what my mum's got. I always remember frying capers. Leslie, was it? Oh yeah, yeah. With the blonde, the short blonde Yeah, yeah. So she, she drained these capers. I remember she pressed them on kitchen towel and she fried them. And I was just like, oh my God, I wonder if mum's got capers. And she did. And I did it. And I, there was nothing to put them on because I hadn't cooked anything else. But it was amazing. you know. So, just a teaspoon of fried capers. Yeah. And it was, it was like a challenge to myself if I could find something in the kitchen or something I could substitute. That was a good program because some of the things they came up with, I mean, it was challenging. Like a mushroom, some squirty cream and an egg. Go. I know. <laughs> that sounds revolting. <laughs> I'm so right. Of all people, Millie, I'm sure you can make something delicious out of that. (laughs) Right. So let's go back to talking about 2007, I think it was, when you opened your own cafe. I mean, that's a life goal in itself, isn't it? I think a lot of people want to do it. Yeah. So how did you go about being someone who wanted to do it to actually making it happen? I think it was knowing that me and my business partner were very capable of it. It was an opportunity that was there that had to be taken quite quickly. Yeah. So I think if it was your own idea, maybe it would take you ages to do it. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Also, I think Um, a lot of people who dream about doing that aren't necessarily already doing something to do with food. Yeah, I was already in the restaurant kitchen and I was doing the daily grind for someone else. Oh my God, you know, if I covered for another chef or something, I'd sometimes be working three days in a row. You know, I'd be stumbling home as if I was drunk, but you know, yeah. I'd smell like the fryer on the chip on the chip fryer on the <laughs> night bus. I mean, oh, it was so unglamorous. And having your own cafe isn't any less in some respect. You know, it's still really hard work, but you know that you're doing it for yourself. Yeah, which does make a difference. Oh, it really does. I, had I carried on in restaurants, I would have found a restaurant that would suit me better. But that one I don't think did. And I just... Because I was learning from the other chefs, it was important that I stayed in one place. And it's such a good way of learning, isn't it? It re- Oh, God, yeah. Just seeing and tasting and, yeah. Like, as much as it's not for everyone and lots of people don't want to work in a restaurant, I think it's hard to miss that out yeah. if you do want to do something. And i got to say, as a 21-year-old girl, I found it really tough. Oh, my goodness, I was yeah. um, the only girl in the kitchen, the guy's... <laughs> had their fun with me let's say there was a lot of sort of practical jokes and teasing it's still such a male dominated environment yeah yeah actually the jokes stop at service and it gets really it's quite (laughs) yeah no messing around then yeah so in the cafe was it all sorts of things or was it mainly cakes or was it a bakery yeah mostly sort of we'd make fresh muffins and cupcakes every day and then you know brownies cookies all that kind of stuff on the counter 
mostly I guess soups, salads, sandwiches, made such great sandwiches. We did events in the evening as well because we were, in, we're, we're sort of within a private members club and did some out catering events. And because we were one of the, there were quite a few people doing cupcakes, but really only a handful of okay, people in London. Yeah. That was cool because that meant that sort of some PR companies would come to us and say, you know, do you want to do something for this celebrity or do you want to do go to this party and cater that? And it was like, oh, yeah, all right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and that was really fun. Yeah, um, really fun. And I mean, unfortunately, a lot of those kind of things you have to do for free and I don't do anything like that anymore. <laughs> you know, when you get promised publicity or whatever like that. But looking back, it, it, was, it was good fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't keep doing stuff for free. No. <laughs> but then like, I remember them asking me to do cupcakes for Dave Grohl and just sending them to like, you know, if he was on radio and it was like, yeah, I'll just stop what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course. Say no more. You can pay me. Like, I if he's going to eat my food, that's pretty cool. I wondered, looking back, what was the biggest thing you think you learned from your time with the cafe? Oh, it's a tough question. Like, did the reality match what lots of people dream of or... How was actually? No, if I've got to be really honest, we were open six days a week and and had the Sundays off. Sunday was never really a whole day off. You know, you'd always be doing a bit of bookkeeping or like research or your laundry or it's it's really tough. Like there's always something going on. Or, you know, you want to work with a friend because you get on really well. Actually, Jesus, it's it's really difficult. Yeah. I guess also when you're doing something creative, it's difficult because your ideas aren't always going to match up and it's sort of... Absolutely. Yeah. And also like being, um, I didn't really think about like, sounds silly to say, I didn't think about customers, but like I wasn't as confident then as I am now. So if someone came up and said, why are you charging this much for a cup of tea? It's just water in a tea bag. It'd be like, uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, like all that stuff yeah. comes with years of experience Definitely. and how to talk to different people through different situations and um yeah. and managing staff and people not showing up for work oh my god the headache that you don't anticipate yeah but, that's um, so true you never think of that when you walk into a cafe and no. order a cake no so millie moving on to your third dish of the day what's the best dish you've ever eaten i have a friend reiko hashimoto she does incredible japanese food i met her from i was at my japanese fishmonger i, I think i was with my mum and we were talking to him about the area it's sort of like Kingston way and that's where my Japanese grandmother lived oh right and so we were talking to him about you know how things have changed and he was sort of saying oh so when was your grandmother here oh my gosh she must be one of the first Japanese people in London like you know that's crazy yeah and I said oh I know and I, I sort of I was telling him that when she came over she really tried to sort of westernize herself for that reason which is really sad oh, did she yeah yeah she went straight to Delia oh, <laughs> called her annotated oh, cookbooks oh no <laughs> and it meant that growing up and I guess I was quite young anyway but you know I didn't learn that kind of cuisine as much as I would have loved so I yeah. had a little tasters of it and I knew I liked it so I was saying to the guy you know I'd love to learn more and he said well you know there's a woman in Wimbledon that teaches cooking has done for years and I was like no so he put her put his her name on a piece of paper and I rang the number I've done every class I think imaginable (laughs) every class that she puts on I've now done we've just became friends really quickly you know instead of classes she'd be like come around after a class and you know eat some leftovers or you know let's go out eating together and so I would actually say and I can't name a dish but anything she cooks you know I'm silent for five minutes (laughs) if you had to name a Japanese dish that you love the most what would it be Japanese like braised pork belly Ooh. which is a bit of a lengthy one. I do it quite often for friends because you, if you're at home all day, you know, it can be simmering it away and then you can sort of strain it and then put your sauce and simmer it again. But that is like melt in your mouth, 
think sometimes people are really impressed when you've just cooked a piece of meat really well. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't really, go wrong when yeah, you're really long something and for slow. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, it's like you just, you roast the lamb shoulder. And it's like, oh, yeah. how did you do this? It's like, Millie, well, just... don't give away our secret. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> so <laughs> much skill. Um, it's true. That is the way to people's hearts. It is. Yeah. yeah. Delicious. So from large weddings and cocktail parties to hosting small supper clubs in your home, you once said that you were happiest when bringing people together through good food. Of all these different kinds of events that you do, what's your favorite? Ooh, maybe, yeah, maybe supper clubs. Do you know what? When people come here and they've paid for a ticket, it's because they want to eat your food. If I'm catering for like 100 people at a canopy party, they've come for the party or for the reason the party. It's a bonus that they might enjoy the food and say, oh, I really enjoyed that. Can I have your card? Yeah. But like, I think there's something really special about people wanting to taste your food. Yeah. You know, they might have just like followed you on Instagram for a bit or, you know, friends brought them along and they, I don't know. That's, I think that's really that's lovely. really special. Yeah. And that reminds me of something that Taylor Swift said about <laughs> the difference between something like Glastonbury or your own concert mm-hmm. is playing to a crowd that haven't necessarily come to see you. It's a different kind of thing. Yeah. yeah oh, that's so true. Yeah, yeah exactly. On, like Swifty. <laughs> yeah. Are you a relaxed chef? Because I can't imagine you doing a Ramsay and swearing at people, but maybe I've got you wrong. No, I am super, <laughs> super chill. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's fun. It is one thing that people are always surprised at. They're like, wow, you don't flap. Because... I don't see the point at all in flapping. No, flapping doesn't help. No, and stuff goes wrong. You know, I did a wedding last year and it was awful. Some We were waiting for the guests to come off the boat that were coming, was coming down the river and they were supposed to come off at Westminster and we were supposed to start the canopy reception and then dinner and someone had a stroke. That's happened twice in two months that summer and you know what do you do you've got all the food ready and it's about to go out but someone's got to call an ambulance and then everyone's worried but then he's okay but then no one really wants to eat yet and oh, oh my gosh my stuff like goodness, that happens that is so <laughs> stressful but there is no point in stressing because everybody's looking to you in the kitchen yeah you know you might have six or eight people going uh what are we going to do and you need to put them at ease so it's like oh, i'm just gonna have to think about it i'll get back to yeah. you in two minutes <laughs> does anyone want a coffee yeah. you know like there's just no point and so i guess i'm one of those people that that might panic a little bit, but you wouldn't know it. Like a swan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that <laughs> thing where you're. What is yeah. it? What? Yeah, your, your legs are moving really fast under the surface. And you're just gliding. gliding. That's me. I'm a gliding swan. <laughs> Millie, what is your favorite sandwich? It's the fourth desert island dish of the day. I know you made some good ones in your cafe. Yeah, I should recreate some of those. I don't eat that many sandwiches. I think if I had an office job or something, I probably would eat more sandwiches. I would say, I think the best thing about sandwiches for me is it's either because I'm eating one because I'm on the plane and my parents have made me a sandwich, like my mum or my dad. And my dad, if my dad and I have had a row, he'll make me a sandwich. It's like a peacemaking really? thing. So that's something that's quite nice. And that that's happens quite so often. so nice. <laughs> um, Any particular <laughs> one that really wins you oh, over? Oh, just something or? with a big lump of hard butter in the middle. That is what oh, you, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> You're like, oh, what's, oh. No, is that's that not free. No, it's, it's a bit of butter. <laughs> yeah, or just like a few weeks ago, uh, me and my mates were in Spain and we went climbing. Uh, we went, well, we went walking around this sort of mountain range for my birthday and we just stopped on top of this big rock and we ate the sandwiches that we made that morning. And oh my God, does a sandwich taste so much oh. better when, like, <laughs> you know, when you're somewhere incredible and you really deserve it because you've been walking, you know, for three hours already in the, in the heat. And oh, yeah, so I think sandwiches for me is it's more about the experience of where I am or who made it what was in that sandwich oh <laughs> what was in there oh do you know what <laughs> I think it was like scraps so a couple of my mates and I had been road tripping a little bit and then we came back up to my parents house and met my other friends and we sort of 
bought bits and bobs from our Airbnb fridge. So I think it was a bit of a scrappy sandwich, you know, cheese, ham, mayonnaise, maybe a couple of crisps. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. But Big fan of good. crisps and sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. So Millie, back in 2013, you launched Milk and Sugar, an afternoon tea supper club. Yeah. Yum, by the way. <laughs> and then 2014, your first cookbook, Party Perfect Bites, came out. Yeah. So from that book, what is your favorite recipe? <laughs> That's a difficult well, one. Well, I, I can tell you, I made, I, I have the book and it's gorgeous and I've made lots of things from it, but cool. the smoked aubergine puree with feta and pomegranate. Is oh yeah, that's a good one. Amazing. Yeah. So and do you know, as a, as a caterer, sometimes it's not just about what tastes good. So that one you mentioned, which is a bit of uh, red endive with the bubba ganoush and the feta and the mint and the pomegranate, it looks beautiful. You can eat it if you're vegetarian. Yeah. You can eat it if you're gluten-free. We can omit the feta if someone's dairy-free. It's yeah. a good one for catering parties. Yeah. And it's light. You know, I think with canapes, and half the reason I wrote the book is that so many like heavy bases, everything's pastry, bread, you know, or fried. It, it, that's yeah. a good light option. Definitely. Yeah, you're so right. There are so many different things to think about when you're entertaining, like mm. to make sure everyone is something that everyone can eat. And why you're so clever is that just everything looks amazing as well so. as tasting <laughs> delicious. So Millie, the fifth dish of the day, what is the dish that you eat the most often? <laughs> I am your most annoying guest. I don't really eat anything over and over again. You're really good at eating leftovers. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. like the queen of that. And that's I do. Like a definite skill. And I over cater. So I've every week I've just got, I mean, if I open my fridge right now, you'd it would be falling out with stuff. I mean, and, I'm not um, going to feel sorry for you about that. Maybe no, that no, I'm delicious. very, very lucky. <laughs> I never go hungry, but it does mean, you know, like a bit of this, a bit of that. If you've had a really long, hard week mm. and the fridge happens to be empty, what oh, would you go to cook? Soba noodles. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I have a Japanese cupboard. <laughs> And yeah, half of it's noodles and soba noodles, cooked, drained, cold water, sesame oil, sesame seeds, a little bit of soy. Depends what I've got. If I've got a bit of ginger to grate in, that's good. But that's just so super, super simple. Always yummy. I guess it's equivalent of like egg on toast. It's like, you know what it's going to taste like every time and you know you're in the mood for it. Yeah, that's a very good answer. I will allow you that. (laughs) So your previous clients have included Danny Minogue and Dave Grohl, to name just a few. But I wondered what's been your favorite job to date? I did a job a year ago or so for like an industry event and some of my sort of chefy idols were attending and I did actually get a little bit nervous about oh, that you? one. Yeah, I don't tend to get nervous about jobs, but... Um, who are your chefy idols? Who are my chefy idols? That you want to admit to. <laughs> what, not Ainsley Harriet <laughs> from back in the day? Nothing wrong with Ainsley. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like, you ever better go on, like, Spanish. I'd love, I mean, love Spanish food to so anyone that sort of champions that. I love Rick Stein. I mean, I could watch him forever and ever and ever. Was he at the event? Oh, no, I've just gone off on one now. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, the event was, so they were invited as sort of speakers and I didn't, I was too nervous to even go out and, and say hi to oh, anybody. Oh, no, Millie. Um, but it was, uh, it was a really fun, it was a fun event. I really liked the food that we were sending out. Faye Mashler was there. A few days later, my friend Osh said, oh, have you, have you seen the Evening Standard? Faye's mentioned you in her sort of five things I've eaten this week. And I was like, what? Oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> and, amazing. Yeah, so I went and picked up the Evening Standard and um, she'd written something really kind about eating some canapes at this event and that, oh, it's so embarrassing. She said, Millie Taylor is a virtuoso. I did not know what that meant. I had a feeling <laughs> it was good, but I did Google it. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> you. 
Bye. Oh my God, a really stressful couple of minutes as you like hurriedly Googled it. Like, is that good or bad? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, a, a, a fun job is a fun job, but it's much more rewarding when you get the feedback. Yeah. And if someone really loved it or you made someone's wedding day or, you know, something like that, then the whole thing just, it's like wrapping a present up in a bow. It's like, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Millie, your sixth desert island dish of the day, what is your go-to dinner party dish? Gosh, again, with dinner parties, I... My poor friends, they eat what I'm researching at the time. Um, so there's nothing poor about your no, friends. They're so but, lucky. No, but it can be quite bitty. It can be oh, quite, <laughs> you know. yeah, like tapas. Uh, yeah. Um, Taste, so, tasting menus. Oh, gosh. I had this awesome couple. We, we did their wedding last year. And I think they'd met or I think the bride had been to um, university in America. And they love this kind of like Southern American, like deep South cooking. Okay. And they, uh, I think they'd followed me on Instagram and had asked if I could do that kind of thing. And I was like, I mean, I love a challenge. I was like, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and then I sort of devoted any spare time I had in the few months leading up to their wedding, perfecting fried chicken or perfecting, you know, the secret oh God, gumbo. So what, what is the secret to the perfect fried chicken? Well, I actually, I mean, I used a lot of different people's recipes. I bought books off Amazon, people that I'd never heard of um, that specialised in these things. You weren't Um, messing around. No. No. (laughs) My friends ate a lot of fried chicken in that time. (laughs) Are you a fan of buttermilk? Yeah. That feature in your... Always. Yeah. Yeah. Always do a day brine and then two days buttermilk and then then fry the chicken. Mm. I think that is really the secret. Anyone tries to do a recipe that you're just taking the, the chicken straight away and you're whatever whatever lovely coating you're gonna fry it in yeah whatever you're gonna you know just, it's all about nah. soaking it's all about juicy juicy chicken and yeah. crisp yeah 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 so panko breadcrumbs no i don't no no <laughs> just normal breadcrumbs i can, I can try that gonna get all so, your secrets <laughs> but, so we did a tasting last night and i did korean fried chicken so fried chicken with like a gochujang type sauce over the top really sticky and delicious and that is what my friends will be eating tonight because I'm not going to, you know, make two dishes. No. <laughs> when I can make one well, that and feed two different groups of people. Ridiculously delicious. Millie, so you obviously know your way around the kitchen. What would be your top tips for someone who doesn't cook very much but wants to get better? I think cooking is all about confidence. So I would probably just say practice a dish until you've really, really nailed it. Yeah. Like having one killer dish under your belt and then all your mates being like, that is amazing. That is going to bring your confidence up and you can oh, go on to the next thing, yeah. you know, but if you just try and do a bit of this and a bit of that or anything you see Jamie Oliver do on TV and then, you, you know, you, you don't quite do it to its full potential. It's all about practice, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I've been cooking since I was, well, like for my family since I was 10. Yeah. So that's like years and years and years of oh. stuffing stuff up and just a few my family sort of <laughs> smiling through things. And, oh, yeah, this isn't okay. <laughs> I think it's about having the confidence to know what to do if something doesn't quite go according to plan because yeah. it always doesn't go according to oh plan. yeah I mean gosh like my ganache splits I've yeah. got a stick blender in it I fix it you know yeah. nothing n- nobody's perfect I love that in fact I put a lemon tart on my Instagram a few months ago that didn't work out that great it was fine it was passable but I sort of just sort of said you know like anyone got any tips to make this like super silky whatever I have just so many people getting in touch saying, have you tried this? It could be that. Have you done this? I mean, it's just like, it's brilliant. You know, you can't be afraid to ask. And and you can't just go with one recipe and think that's golden. Lots of, you know, Jesus, there are lots of bad recipes out there too. So yeah. And if something goes wrong, just to not get your confidence knocked and keep on trying. Yeah. Just, you know, pour a load of cream over that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cream and butter solve most problems in the kitchen. That is definitely true. And so you're writing another book, which is very exciting. Can you tell us anything about it? 
I shouldn't really say that I'm writing another book, so I'm not got my book deal. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't stop you so most people it. you know get a proposal together find a publisher don't tell anybody until it's near release date that they're doing it um so i'm yeah i've kind of gone against all that no i've been trying to find the time for a while now because my first book was three years ago yeah to I can't believe that was no where's the time gone so yeah i just really want to do spanish food I did a two-week pop-up in Soho a couple of years ago, which is also a very authentic, traditional, Andalusian, quite region-specific, actually, sort of Alarindeladore, which is our little village, things that we eat there and that I've always grown up eating. And it went down a storm. We were fully booked for two weeks. It was absolutely bloody mental. I had exhaustion afterwards. <laughs> I mean, me and, my, me and my brother worked like 13 hours a day every day. And um, it was a lot of stress, but it was it was hugely enjoyable and it went really down well. So, like, you know, if, if I sort of think of that as my market research and people enjoying it. But I also have the issue that a lot of people have written books on Spanish food and, you know, every sort of big chef, Rick Stein or Jamie Oliver, they've all written a book on Spain. So I, I do have to do something a little bit different. And then it occurred to me when I go to Spain and my family eats Spanish food every day, I would try and mix things up a little bit. But we are limited to the kind of ingredients that we have out there. So it's, you know, it's always got something authentic yeah or re- local anyway so yeah. I thought do you know what? I'll just write a book on those kind of stuff you know yeah. you're gonna put your own stamp on it yeah how I mix things up yeah and probably a bit more broadly Mediterranean as well I travel quite a bit and I mean the few sort of recipes that you've teased us with on Instagram look yeah I'm teasing people. incredible <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so Millie we're on to the last dish of the day and that is the last dish you would eat before being cast off to the desert island yeah it would totally be a big plate of jamon the best Ooh, yes and a really cold beer a canya and in the sunshine oh am i not there yet oh not quite that hmm. well. where am i where am i going from <laughs> I, I know i hadn't thought about that. i guess you can be wherever you want i'm going from last... Spain. yeah <laughs> yeah that's fair enough yeah 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 definitely i'm a huge snacker and i think you're always in the mood for for snacks aren't you Whereas, yes you know if i said that feels like quite a modest snack do you want anything else or you're i just think gonna it's keep so it indulgent i'm talking yeah. about like the good the proper, stuff yeah the expensive <laughs> stuff this is a no budget meal i'm not paying for this am i someone else is no. it's, all, it's all on me <laughs> you can have a platter. yeah i i just i just adore it so when we do weddings and we have a cortador and they, they're cutting the ham i know exactly where to be at the right yeah. time i'm like oh is everything okay up here guys oh What's this? You started cutting the ham. What, what lucky timing. From that bit. Oh, that, that really fatty bit. Yeah, I will have some. So, yeah. I, I... Well, we will allow you that. And finally, Millie, you're allowed to take one luxury item with you to the desert island. What are you going to take? Luxury item. I'd take a lighter. I can't be faffed with that whole <laughs> making fire. Right, rubbing two sticks together. <laughs> I am the most impatient cook. That is actually, yeah. I will put the gas on and put a frying pan down with a bit of oil in it and then chop my onion. I'm that kind of person. So, yeah, I, I would be... I, Millie, I feel like you're my spirit animal. Yeah? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely take a lighter. I was thinking kettle, but I wouldn't plug it in anywhere. So <laughs> we'll go with lighter. Let's, you could take an Arga kettle. But no, let's... Well, you can fashion a kettle out of a coconut. You can do most things with fire, can't you? <laughs> yeah, you're allowed that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Millie, for letting us hear your Desert Island. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Bye. And there we have another episode of Desert Island Dishes, done and dusted. I hope you enjoyed that. I just love doing this podcast. There are so many amazing people out there who, like Millie, are just killing it in whatever field they're in. And I'm just loving getting to meet them and ask them all of these questions. I'm very excited for Millie's new book to come out whenever that might be. And I will continue to work hard so that I could maybe persuade her to be my very own private chef. 
Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, keep thinking of what your own desert island dishes would be because you never know when I might ask you. (laughs) Okay, until next week. Bye.